Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Momentum Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me. It's Helene Couvrette. Helene is a certified yoga therapist, she's a yoga educator, and she's one of eight International Association of Yoga Therapists accredited 800-hour yoga therapy schools in Canada. So she sees people one-on-one who have specific physical and emotional health issues, as well as she teaches classes online and in person. And she's also the founder and president of MISTI which is the Montreal International Symposium on Yoga Therapy. And that's due to finally come back in March of 2024. I've been to that event. It was amazing. And the other thing you should know about Helene is she was my yoga teacher. She taught me how to become a yoga teacher over 10 years ago already. So I've been in touch with Helene over the years, and I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. So welcome, Helene. Oh, thanks, Debbie. Thank you. It's actually really sweet and lovely to see you and our to hear you. <laughs> I get to see you, but your listeners don't. But to stay in contact, I mean, 10 years feels like a long time ago. And yet we've had some great connections over the years. I used to do a 200 hour training and Debbie used to teach the children's yoga portion of that program. So it's nice that we still have this contact and I'm honored you asked me to be on the show. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for being here. And so I'm just going to get right into it. And I just want to ask you the question, why you ever even just got into yoga and maybe yoga therapy as well. So what brought you to yoga? Yeah, the road started in one way and it developed to where I am now. So about 23, almost 24 years ago, And I was a single mother before and I met my ex-husband and I moved to the area and I finally had a sitter (laughs) so I can go try this yoga. You know, 23 years ago, I have seen actually an evolution of yoga. At that time, I went because I knew friends up north where I used to live in the Laurentians who took yoga, did yoga, and I was always curious about it. I grew up in a very athletic family. My mom was an Olympic swimmer. And my dad taught skiing, water skiing. We spent most of our free time in the Laurentians. So being physical was something I enjoyed, but I wasn't a team sport person. I liked the downhill skiing or water skiing or swimming. I think I just felt ready to finally explore what yoga was. And And then as I did it a few years in, my wonderful teacher, who actually I'm still very connected with, she taught at the center. I had a center for 13 years. She saw something in me and said, Helene, you should try to do yoga teacher training or you should become a teacher. That was about 20 years ago. And teacher training was a new thing. Before that, they were kind of like my teacher, Maureen was doing a lot of reading and watching videos and getting informed that way. But a certification program was really new. And the classes were getting big. And she just saw something in me. I've often asked and whatever it was, I I thought, really? And uh, about a year, half a year after that, I actually was pregnant and lost a baby. I had a stillborn. 
And as I came back just after the stillborn, she said, hey, I'm going to take a certification course. She'd been teaching for 10 years, but the certification started to come out and she thought, I'm going to do this course. Do you want to do it with me? And not having this newborn that I thought I was going to have to take care of, I thought, yeah, let's do it. Even though I had three other children at home, I subsequently got pregnant again and had my last of four children during that whole training. So when I entered, it was more like a need to be physically in my body. Then I took the training and I think it was a desire to actually do more yoga. And I wasn't, I didn't have the self-discipline. So it was, if I teach it to other people, I'll do it more. Mm -hmm. And then as I started to do it, people would come in and say things like, my doctor says my blood pressure is lower. My wife says, or my husband says, I'm nicer to keep doing yoga. I had a woman come into the class who was 80 and said, I had my checkup and I'm an inch taller. Because she straightened up, you know, we don't really shrink. We more like compress and curve. I was getting older, you know, I'm now 61. So do the math. And as I got older and heard those things and saw people feel better, and then my registration question when they registered to my classes, what brings you to yoga? And some would say flexibility or strength or just want to be in shape. But pretty much everybody said, and a stress release. Mm -hmm. So I started to see that people were coming and receiving health benefits. And then, you know, I opened up the yoga center, H-O-M, H for Helene, although I started to call it health healing and happiness, H-O-M for OM. And it just continued to snowball. And some of my students said, why don't you do training? We'd love to learn from you. So I started with the 200. And then they said, why don't you teach the advanced training, which is another 300. And then they said, why don't you do the whole yoga therapy program? Now, this is over the years. As I'm getting older and watching people voice how better they feel emotionally and physically. I just, it just, it was a very organic involvement, really. Actually, I met uh, someone who had done medical conferences and uh, we partnered up, um, co-founded Misty with him because as I talked about the benefits, he said, well, why don't we mix yoga and medicine? And there's a lot of people who are in the health field now because it's this age and more young people grew up with it, like I did, yoga. And some have gone into the health field and know the benefits. So we put together MISTI, Montreal International Symposium on Therapeutic Yoga. And it just kept snowballing. I've met some fabulous colleagues now and good friends who presented. And I'm hopefully bringing it back next March. I'm in the works. Keep posted on that. I, I went in there just out of curiosity and now 20 some years later it's a, totally a passion it's all I do I don't have another side job and it's something I live and breathe as well as teach because I I feel that you have to kind of live and breathe it to really get all those benefits and in a way by teaching and teaching the training it has helped me so much mm -hmm. and in that way I can as aspire and inspire others I think to also benefit from it. Yeah, that's my long answer to that question. <laughs> uh, there's so much in there. And it's so I, I love your story, and how it was just so organic, how you got into it in the first place, and 
how it did help you getting into the teacher training uh, after you'd had a stillborn. I can only imagine that kind of pain and that kind of tragedy in your life and being able to turn it into something. I mean, I kind of see that as that seed of like, this all grew from, from that moment, which is amazing how you turned that around. And, and just how yoga has helped, how you've seen it help so many people in so many different ways and yourself as well, how it has helped yourself. And so what are some of the ways that yoga has helped you? I know you said you're 61. So you have been through this menopause transition that a lot of my audience is going through. How did it help you get through that time? I, I went through menopause. I'm 10 years from start to where I am now. Still get some hot flashes occasionally. There's so many ways yoga helps. You know, yoga is addressing a person on what yoga calls the koshas, just five layers of ourselves. First, the physical body. You know, physically, I've also organically evolved how I teach and how I practice it. Less challenging poses and more just continual functional yoga. And the thing is, as we get older, we become a little less, you know, we do less movement than when we were younger. Some can argue about the next generation, but we won't go there. But, you know, but still, even still, they're, they're doing more things and we can tend to do less. So it kept the fluidity in, in my body. And I know that that's, you know, what we call functional yoga, the ability not necessarily to be able to put your legs behind your ears, but to be able to get up in the morning and be looser in your body, to be able to garden and not have back aches at the end of the day, to be able to shovel, to be able, you know, I'm, I'm single now still, and I do a lot around my house. So physically to keep the body in its optimal shape, yoga also tends to help us want to make better food choices which I know you do a lot of talk about. I mean, there's, there's just a desire when you feel better in your body to actually take care of it more because you feel it more, if that makes sense. You know, when you're kind of out of body and always in your mind, which we'll get to in a moment, you don't notice as much. Yoga makes you very aware of how you're feeling. And in that way, when you feel good and you eat a good meal, you notice the difference from eating something that doesn't make you feel good. Another thing that happens through menopause, of course, is because of the hormone changes, our digestive system changes as well. And we might need to alter our, our, our food intake. So that helps the physical body to be more mobile, more functional, more fluid. Uh, that's sort of progressed as I got older and, and the benefit of what I wanted to do with my practice and my teaching. Of course, not surprisingly, I tend to have older clients or students come to me. <laughs> Although I still see some younger ones and I let them know that, you know, this is great to start young and make sure that they're doing certain postures without pushing unconsciously and making sure they take care of their body. So physically through this stage of life, our bones also have, you know, they there's there could be osteoporosis that comes or osteoarthritis that happens pretty much in all of us. So bone health is important. And we know that bearing weight uh, helps build bone, but we bear our own weight in yoga. We do postures that are not just flexibility, but as well strengthening muscles and the bones. 
it's also great for your heart and your blood pressure. Oxygenation through the blood that circulates through your whole body, including your brain, which is actually the biggest organ to benefit from the blood flow and oxygen. It's the first thing that would be impaired if you lacked oxygen for a while would be the brain. It keeps your brain in better function. It keeps your heart in better function and your blood pressure. As I said, people literally have come back and felt better. The reason it does that is partly because you're moving, definitely because you're learning to breathe in a very optimal conscious way. Then it comes to this mental aspect. You know, menopause, I know a lot of women who have a lot of, you know, it's hormone changes and the mind and emotions uh, shift, let's say. I don't feel I had a lot of shift emotionally, but I know some have had a lot of anxiety pop up, a lot of depression, um, and that's anyway in the population. But it's sort of with all the hormones going amok in the body and shifting, yoga has a great ability to help in that way, to help by just being attentive to breath, to just being aware of your thoughts, meditation, and it doesn't have to be a sit with a candle and chant either. It's more of an awareness of what's going on in your mind and being able to kind of self-regulate. It's also a time as, you know, where a lot of us losing our parents. Well, my mom died and my dad died and, you know, our children are growing up. We're no longer mommies. Sometimes they're becoming adults. So there's a lot of emotional feelings that come to those situations that shift at this time or having to nurture an aging parent and your children at the same time that part is there another part is important is also balance there's actually research that shows when a senior i'm not a senior yet but when a senior, i'll be a senior when i'm 85 i've decided <laughs> but um but it. still so yeah, slowly but surely, you know, a fall because of the brittleness of the bones can actually land us with a broken hip. And the research shows that it's about two years on average, which is not everybody, some sooner, some later, a lot of people end up dying a couple years after they break their hip when they're seniors. You can start yoga when you're 80 and still gain. We know now that the body and the brain can learn things. So balance is actually quite an important thing. And I find myself doing balance pretty much every class now because falling can have a lot of repercussions. It also makes people afraid of getting out and doing things. And yeah, those are some of the ways that um, it helps. Oh, and here's another one. A lot of us have sleep pattern issues when we get to this stage. Oh, yes. And I actually, my personal theory, and it's just my feeling, is that we are not as active, so we don't wear out our body in the same way. We don't just go to bed as tired, even though we might feel emotionally tired. Emotionally exhausted is more stressful. Stress is more of a, a waking situation for our body or sympathetic state when we're stressed. We don't sleep in sympathetic state. We sleep in parasympathetic sleep uh, state, which is the rest, relax, and digest. Parasympathetic is fight, flight, freeze, um, or fawn, or flop. There's different different ones as well. So because when we're calmer, 
we tend to then be able to fall asleep and stay asleep more. And if we do wake up, we can maybe use some of the yoga breath practices or meditation to help us get back to sleep. So that was a whole lot there. We got relationships, yes. mental, emotional, all of that. I really appreciate that you put all of that in there because I too, I mean, I'm a yoga teacher, thanks to you. And I believe in yoga for all of those reasons. And just like you said, how many times have I spoke to clients, my coaching clients about breathing so that they can sleep? I mean, that's a huge one that a lot of women have issues with in, in midlife is sleep. And yes, yoga comes into that. And underlying everything is like you said, yoga is a lifestyle. It's it's not just an exercise that you go out and do for half an hour, an hour or 90 minutes or whatever. It's something you take with you all day long. And it, it goes into your relationships. It affects your mind. It affects your body. It, it affects everything that you do. So yes, I, I, I love that you brought all of that in there because it's so important and there's so much we can still do at this age to improve our situation. Yoga is one of those things that we can do because it does build our strength. So we can build bone and it does help our mind. So we can perhaps uh, avoid Alzheimer's, you know, avoid that inflammation that leads to Alzheimer's. We can do all kinds of things right now just even just through yoga, which I know, like you said, a lot of people come for the relaxation, they come for like, and de-stressing, but there's so many other benefits to it, right? I really appreciate that you shared all of those benefits, because I, I believe them all too. So that's yoga. I teach yoga classes. So people come to my yoga classes, and, and that's partly what you do, but you also do yoga therapy. So how does yoga therapy differ from like going to a yoga class what do you do in yoga therapy i'm so glad you asked that <laughs> yeah um yoga therapy is typically one-on-one -on -one. it can be in specialized groups so for instance you know people who have cancer or people who have parkinson's and group them I tend to do more one-on-one -on -one yoga therapy it gives a space and time for a health intake we wouldn't do necessarily in a class although I usually ask who has knee issues back issues shoulder issues so I know who's there but to not just have people raise their hand and say yes my back my shoulder but to go deeper mm -hmm. um, one of the things I teach as you know in my training is everyone has a story people who have mental or emotional or physical health issues they go to different professionals they're all necessary needed and a blessing in our world but most other professions don't really have time to get into the story. So the first thing is I actually have time to listen. I usually see somebody for an hour and a half to start. And the first half is really being present and, and doing a health intake that I write notes instead of a form they fill out so that I can not just have a, a quick answer on a paper, but a story to be when you ask a person, do you sleep well? If it's on a paper, they might put yes or no or sort of but when you ask it out loud they may say oh gosh you know i get up and I, you know and the story starts to evolve do you have stress low high middle what stresses you out that could be another five minute conversation or 20. so the first thing is to see who's coming to me sometimes they come because of anxiety or depression or just high level of stress some might come to me because they have some physical back pain or shoulder pain or knee pain, but 
it's never really separated in yoga. With every person who comes to me with an emotional discomfort, I ask where they would feel it in their body. Where does anxiety live in your body? Often they'll talk and their hands will go to their chest or their hands will just be fidgeting or you can see their neck hurts, you know, they're not aware, but you ask them that question and they become aware. Yeah, actually my neck really hurts or I have a lot of digestive issues. And then if they're coming from the physical realm, like I have backache, okay, so when did it start hurting? Well, it was about, you know, around the time my mother died and like all kinds of stories come up, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm there to sort of put those pieces into the whole puzzle that it is. Nothing is pieces in us. We, we go to different doctors for different things. Might go to a psychologist and then go to the, you know, to the back specialist. But when you come to me, I'm sort of a blending them together so the picture is clear. It's connected. And I help them find together, we explore and find what patterns of thought or movement or non-movement that might be creating from a pattern becomes a groove you know if you keep walking along the same path in your yard grass won't grow so much and so patterns create this groove of the way we think the more we think that way the more we feel a certain way and then the body hurts in that same place or the more we move a body a certain way maybe because when we were sad we curled up and rounded our shoulders and you know weren't breathing as fully maybe and so once we together uncover the pattern that the story created, then I offer a bunch of tools and that's very specific. So not everybody with back pain gets necessarily the same postures. There is no one posture to help back pain because it's this shape may help one and may not be comfortable for the other. And it's more than the posture. How are you breathing? Are you afraid of this posture? How are you feeling in it? Do you want to stay longer? Do you want to move more? Do you want to be more restorative? So there's different ways to ease back pain because of different personality types and different stories. So it's very, very specific. It's, it's such a specific thing that actually at the conferences, you know, what's your What's your elevator speech? How do you describe yoga therapy? And sometimes I have different ways. One of the quick ways would be I'm a little bit physio, a little bit psycho, a little bit spiritual guide for you. And mostly I'm a human being accompanying you towards ease of suffering with mm -hmm. tools that are still here 5,000 years later and Science has been studying it and is not disqualifying any of the benefits. It is finding that there are those benefits that was known. So, yeah, so it's um, as best as I can describe it in the short sentence and then the long explanation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a, a therapy, like you said, and it's holistic. It takes into consideration all of you because right. you are all one complete being mentally, physically, spiritually, and it just sort of brings it all together. And you treat each person that comes in as this complete person. So I, I think it's fabulous for that because yeah, you might have back pain, but there's so many other things going on. Right. And I'm sure that you've, you've seen that in your practice that it started somewhere, but it's really having to do with a, 
another thing or a whole bunch of other things. Exactly. What presents itself is just a part, but the person is a whole part. It is a back with a person, a brain, a history, a family, partner, non-partner, a story. And that story matters because our stories really create pattern and habits of, of all kinds of ways. So sometimes we just need to shift things and it's amazing. You know, the word empowerment is a big part of what I believe yoga therapy is about. I'm not here to do anything to someone. I'm here to discover with them and see what will work for them out of the vast amount of tools we can have and empower them that really you can feel better. So there's no big claim of curing everything, although I've definitely seen a lot of stuff. People come out of, you know, off meds. I don't, I don't guide them to that. They need to refer to their professional, you know, feel better and not do surgery. That's happened. People were told they should basically get to back surgery. That's the point they're at. And that's when they usually come last resort and say, Hey, I don't need it anymore. Yeah, it, it's uh, addressing a person as a whole. And I have to just, I'll, I'll add this a little bit, is I think, again, as I started that answer, there's not many professions that has the time, and it's a blessing as a yoga therapist, to be able to say, I'm here to listen. I have this as part of my session with you. You know, I've had definitely feedback of, like, you're so human, and we know from research that actually that is part of the healing that assists in healing, being heard, being held with compassion, something that I teach in my yoga therapy training. You know, we need to listen with compassion and they, I don't mean this to criticize because, you know, we have to wait long enough for healthcare to take us and we're lucky in Canada to have it for free, but there's just not that space. It's not in the, protocol of that profession but it is in yoga therapy and accompanying them and then empowering them so first they're not alone and then they realize that a lot comes from them mm -hmm. to help themselves you know I'm not doing things to them I'm helping them find the tools or find how it can help them and then it's up to them to do the work and that's when things change I mean every the things you're saying are so so comparable to the work I do as a coach. It's very much that it's being there to listen. And I think that is the most important part because everybody has a story. Like you said, everybody needs to be heard. And just in listening, they may have never been listened to like that in their lives by anybody, even by the people that love them. And it's no, no mistake of people not listening, but it's just that it's so powerful to truly listen to somebody, to really understand what they're saying and try to reflect it back to them and what you heard. And I love that that's part of your process. And that it's such a compassionate way of helping somebody is through that mm. con contact, that through that listening. Yeah, I, I love that that's part of your practice as well. And is there a story in your life where, yoga has really helped you where you find it was of most benefit yeah as you know debbie i mean the, of course the first thing that comes to mind listen there's a lot of a lot of times i use yoga daily but the biggest challenge one of the biggest of course losing my child was the biggest but i was at the beginning of my journey and uh this last year which is the la latest part of my journey a year and a half ago my youngest 
who I had after my stillborn was diagnosed with leukemia, AML, which is an acute uh, myeloid leukemia, which comes on really quick. And we literally went from going for blood tests and two hours later being called to say rushed to hospital and didn't leave for six weeks. The chemo is really brutal on a body. Leukemia chemo is, uh, gets, you know, she had anyway, a seven day program, three different chemos at, at the beginning and then other meds and all kinds of transfusions. And I mean, and then she had very many complications. She had four rounds of chemo, but <laughs> when you have uh, zero immunity, which is what it brings you down to, basically kills all the cells in your body. Anyway, I saw my daughter go through so much and uh, all kinds of complications happened. So it was enough to get the diagnosis and then have to see her go through it. But all the complications, it did not go smoothly. But I'm happy to say she's in remission. She will be taking chemo pills for some years to come. But she's in remission and we're feeling very, very hopeful. She responded very well, but it just took a huge toll on her. Through that process as a mother, I was by her side. I was blessed. Um, she once asked me if it was hard to be there. And I said, no, it's a, I said to her a few times, it was a blessing to be there and be the one with her. And she was an amazing soul through this journey. And I cannot imagine not having had yoga in my life for over 20 years, how I would have breathed through that time, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to use every tool that I learn and teach and offer others for myself. You know, there's nothing that can change our situation in life. So anyone out there, you can't change life. There's going to be challenges and your body is going to go through menopause and all those changes. But our perspective and our inner talk and our breathing and releasing physical tension. You know, even as I'm talking now, I'm actually aware of my shoulders becoming tighter, just the memories. And I'm so aware of my body and emotion connection that I can take an exhale. There would be days every morning, <clears throat> if I was home, I was mostly with her, but when I did come home for a night, I would get up and have my morning bath and just listen to my breath. I would listen to my heart the way I listen to others and they would say this is very traumatic and then I would practice the perspective of but I'll be okay right and that was my mantra yoga has mantras then they don't have to be very organic they could just be simply this is traumatic first we acknowledge the pain the suffering and I'll be okay and and whether I believe it or not, it was helpful for every cell in my body to actually hear that. Immediately, my breath calms as I say it, as opposed to, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, how, you know, how am I going to live through this? Yes, that happened initially for a breath or two. <laughs> but then I, I kick into, I have to breathe calmly now. My first thought I remember was just, this is going to be a long one. I have four children. I've been in and out of hospitals for all kinds of stuff. But I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be a while. Like this wasn't a going into hospital, coming out in a few hours or a day. And even that is a practice to be able to notice the thought I have. Notice enough that in that shock of time, my brain being in shock, I could still 
because I've practiced so much, watch my mind go into shock and that I remember the thought I had. This is being able to see what we're thinking and, and then manage that. Like, okay, so how am I going to get through this? First, I need to call support, make sure I have support around me, which I did, and be able to breathe and make sure I watch my breath and move and do the yoga I could, you know, be online. I couldn't see anybody to make sure I was not bringing any germs to my daughter and, and just pulled from all of the tools. So that's a pretty big episode. So whatever you're going through, it's not about like, yes, that's traumatic, but then how do we get through it? And there's just all those tools, you know, watching my mind, being aware of how it's affecting my breath and my body to make sure, because I could have snowballed into all kinds of physical issues, digestive issues, headaches, panic attacks, you know, uh, loss of sleep. I mean, all these things could happen. And also my mind is, but I have to be a support for this child. So I have to take care of myself to be in shape to take care of her. And of mm -hmm. course, by her watching me, he could also benefit and for her i would she was knows what i do and i, I didn't push it force her because i have to respect whether she was open but she did ask is there any meditations you can offer me so i sent her some meditations i i gave her a few breathing practices i gave her a few movement practices even in the worst of times you still have your mind you can practice a mantra whatever hers was in little moments where she was able to sit up and just do simple movement. And when she couldn't, I massaged her, uh, touched, you know, the parts that weren't achy, which were her feet and her calves to get blood circulation going, knowing the physical body needs blood circulation when you're not, when you're lying in bed for 10 months. It was constantly in the room for me and for her and very effective. Wow. Wow. I just want to acknowledge you for sharing that because that must be hard to talk about. I know she's fine or she, she's in remission now. So I'm so happy that that is how it's turned out. Just I was going through all the emotions with you. I was breathing with you when you were talking about the breath. I was right there with you. And as a mother and uh, as a friend, I just feel like it's that was powerful. So thank you for sharing that, Helene. Yeah, that means a lot. And what I really loved about what you were saying is you acknowledged how you were feeling, like acknowledge this is traumatic. This is, this is heavy. This is going to last a long time. It's not about positivity and, and putting that in there is first acknowledging this is, this is hard and, and I'm going through this, but I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. And I just, I was just right there with you. So it's yeah. making me tear up now just thinking, you know, the, those words, but it's so powerful, these mantras that we say to ourselves, but so important, like you said, to acknowledge where you are. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. I'm not suppressing it. I'm, I'm allowing it. And then I can move forward. Then I can be okay. I will be okay. And, and so not good. suppressing it is important and as well, not spiraling downhill with it. Like acknowledging and holding it and like you would hold your own child if they were suffering, right? Yes. And not letting it spiral out of control, like sit with it and then 
which is the yoga practice, you know, sort of see the the light, so the yin mm -hmm. and the yang, the dark. And the reason there's a little circle in between all those, the yin and yang has a black and a white. And within the black and white side, there's a little circle of in black, white, and in white, black, because not everything is dark and not everything is bright. So yes, it's not like, oh, everything's going to be fine. That denial would not serve me. And also spiraling out of control wouldn't serve me. And so there's a way of just acknowledging and holding space and then grabbing the tools, which is one of just whether you believe it or not, just find a mantra that is positive. You know, I'll be okay was as simple as it could be. Like, I'll be okay. I've lived through a lot of stuff. And so to know that I'll be, I was okay, you know, I wasn't okay when my baby died, but I am okay. You know, like that was horrible too. But, you, you know, we survive a lot of things. We need to thrive. And yeah, yeah, this is, it's just so powerful. And just so, like you said, so simple. It's just so simple to acknowledge, to, to say, I'm going to be okay. And you have been okay, right? And, and I think it's important to recognize that we do get ourselves into these states and we can spiral. But in the end, we have to realize that, especially if we're in midlife, especially if we've come this far in life, we know that things do turn out okay. And we can rely on ourselves. We can go inside to get that reassurance. We don't have to have somebody else tell us it's going to be okay. We can do that for ourselves, which I also think is a powerful part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, 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 it has to come from you knowing that. And to, again, like that yin and yang, I'm okay, but there's a part of me that's not. Yeah. And I wasn't okay, but there's a part of me that is, right? Yes. So it's, it's not a black and white thing. It's just that you can be okay in the darkness. And even when things are great, most of us have a little part of us that's not so great. And that's just life. It is. It is. It's always going to be like that. There's always going to be those two sides to life. But that's what makes the good times, the positive things that happen so positive, because we know that there's that dark side, but we need the dark side to see to have that contrast. And so now I will ask you, <laughs> what is the what has been the best part for you of getting older so far? I don't know what's wrong with me, but I don't resist getting older. Sure, I don't love that I have more wrinkles, that menopause has a little more belly fat going on. <laughs> you know, I still look around, I think I'm feeling good in my body. I'm feeling great in my body because I'm taking care of it. You know, it's not a 20 year old body, but it's mine and it's alive. And I've had enough losses that just that's a blessing. But I think the best part of getting older is that accumulation. I know that sounds strange, but the accumulation of hard times. So when I was 22, my brother was killed in an accident. Uh, he was 21. I lost my baby. And then I lost my dad a year after that. He was only 68. I saw my mom died. She was turning 80 and I was a... I don't say it was easy, but it was a little bit more palatable than a 21-year-old. And a... My baby was eight and a half months gestation. I was two weeks before mm -hmm. birth. So, you know, it's those are hard losses because of time. And I think just knowing because of all those experiences that there was a lot of trauma, but I was okay. I mean, yeah, for some moments, not so okay, but a little glimmer there. 
and as I gain, you know, one of the things I actually offer some, those who kind of feel like they can't is, you know, every time you overcome one thing, it's with action that we become stronger. And the action can just be overcoming, like breathing through the hardest moments of your life. You become like, I can do this. Part of me was saying I'll be okay. Part of me believed it. Part of me wasn't sure. But by saying it, I, I, you know, my mind would go to all the other things that I lived through. So I guess I would say it's the accumulation of getting past really hard times. Those are just a tip of iceberg. My life's got a lot of stuff that's happened. So just, just that accumulation of being able to get over those hurdles and one piece, I feel makes me more able to face the next hurdles. Although I don't really want any more. <laughs> I kind of like done with them, but I know they're going to happen. Hopefully not huge ones anymore. So I just think instead of resisting the aging process of a body, take care of it. I mean, just take care of it. And, and the outside is one part, but it's the inside. How do you feel? Are you functional? Are you mobile? Uh, are you cognitive? Are you vibrant? some of the time at least, and take the past that some of us get stuck in darkness of and flip the yin of the yang to make it, yes, there was a little dot of black here and there speckled in your white. But take, you know, take a moment to reflect on, you know, that you, you got through those times in one piece and anything that's hard is actually recalling them mm -hmm. so when i talk about what happened to my daughter in that time it wells up in me but at the same time it's in the past i would say to her often you know there's going to be a time where this is going to be a blip in your life she was 18 you know it's her 18th year going through it not the best time not not there's any good time of it but it and now it's starting to not be so much a blip but it's in the past and it's going to become and when she's 30 40 50 60 a blip really of her lifetime so all those moments were little dark dots in your white life not that your life was dark and you're trying to find the white dots. It's just a shift of perspective. I'm not saying that's easy, by the way. It took a lot of practice for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I started teaching and why I love teaching the training and why I kept stepping up the game and being accredited by the International Association of Yoga Therapists for an 800-hour yoga therapy program, which is a three-year program. That accreditation itself was a two-year process. It was very detailed. You don't just snap your fingers and say, hey, I want to do it. But it, I had the desire because I want to share with others. That's a bit altruistic. But because when I talk about it all the time, it just sits in my cells and my bones and my brain. Everything about me can live it. And that came with age. This is not a the 20-year-old me or the 30-year-old me or the 40-year-old me. It's a 61-year-old me who's been through a lot and I'm okay with a little blip of not so much fun dots here and there <laughs> but I don't focus yeah. on those yeah no 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 because you are okay and but those are what like you said that accumulation of of hard things or getting through those hard things is I, I can see how that is the best part because you 
you learn that you you would be okay. And the more you go through them, the more you know you'll be okay, the more you know you can get through it. I think when you're younger, you don't appreciate that. You don't know you're going to get through it. But once you get to midlife and beyond, you know you will. You know it, it's not easy when you're in it. You don't want to be in it, but you will get through it and you will be okay. So I, I do really like that. I think that's a great answer to that question. <laughs> You're very good at putting my long answers and short answers. The shortest well, that's way- that's what I heard. That's what I yeah, heard that's from a, you. you heard and that's right. what I took in because that's what, what resonated with me from what you said. And because it, it, it rings true to me as well. So I really- In short, yeah. often I tell my children, you know, I've said to them occasionally when they're, but now they're all getting older. She was my baby. But, you know, I've said to them a couple of times, pace yourself. Like when they get upset about something and like, I'm not taking it as dramatically. I don't like saying that word because it's condescending, but you know, it's not as heavy for me. It's kind of like pace yourself because S is going to happen in life, right? <laughs> it's going to happen. The shizzle will happen. Yes. The shizzle is going to happen. <laughs> pace yourself. Pace yourself. Because there's a lot bigger things. And I think in essence, all my children, of course, went through this trauma. And I think they also learn, like, there are big things, and then there's little things, you know? Yeah. So that is, yeah, such a good, such a good lesson for, for you, for everyone. We're at the end of our, of our time together. But I, before we go, I just want you to be able to share with everybody where they can learn more about you, what you do, and how they can get in touch with you if they're curious. Anybody who would like to get in touch with me, I am very reachable. Um, that's part of what I like to live and practice. So I'm on Facebook, Helene Couvret. I think you'll put all this in show notes or somewhere. On the- I will put this in the show notes. Okay. My website is H for Helene, O-M for OM, yogacenter.com. And that has a lot of my trainings and my Zoom classes and where I'm teaching in person and my bio and how to see me privately, all that stuff's there. And then for the conference, MISTI, Montreal International Symposium on Therapeutic Yoga, um, like I said, I'm in the works. That website is homyogaevents.com. So those are the websites. And from there, you can get my phone number, you can get my email, you can message me on Facebook, find me. And I'm always here to serve. Uh, you know, I'm also, you know, realizing this is a time where you've gone through a certain bunch of chapters and there's not that many chapters left. So I, I really want to keep serving people. So I welcome anybody who wants to reach out. I do online and in person and for the training, of course, um, anything else. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for serving today. Cause I know that there'll be a lot of people listening who will appreciate this, who will, will, a lot of this will resonate with them. And, and I'm sure some people will want to reach out to you and find out more. And I know that the yoga symposium as well, that's for everybody, right? It's not just for yoga therapists. It's anybody who can attend. Anybody who's, listen, I, you know, anybody who's interested in learning how yoga evidence-based practices can really help, if they're curious, they're welcome. You know, yoga therapists come, physiotherapists, uh, people in the mental health field. I find that that's the people now that take the training most, mostly is people who are, therapists and mental health or 
social workers or psychologists or physiotherapists or osteopaths, I think that they're sort of seeing each on their end that there's the cross, like they need in physical, physical therapy, they need more of the emotional stuff. And then in the talk therapy, they realize the body's holding. I think uh, there's a lot, we won't go into another discussion, but there's, yeah, anybody's welcome to that. And if you've never done yoga, you can still have yoga therapy. <laughs> it's I'm not doing a class that you see on the internet we are doing very simple movements and shapes that are accessible just to whoever's in front of me so Mm -hmm. yeah the symposium is and for the teacher training the 800 hour it's after 200 you have to have done a 200 I'm trying to find a way I used to do the 200 and um, to maybe blend it into a thousand hour training so that that can happen wow so that's in the works too I think you're always going to be doing this, but obviously, like you said, it's in your bones, it's who you are, and you just want to serve as long as you can. So, and since you're only going to be a senior at 85, you got at least 24 years ahead of you until you're even going to even consider retiring. Which means so I'm, I'm only glad. halfway through. I'm only halfway through. I've you're done only 24. halfway through. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Helene, for being here today. I really, really appreciated having you on. It was so informative and fun. And thank you again. Thank you, Debbie. It was really um, an honor, like I said. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at debbieharbeckcoaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck with a C, coaching.com. See you next week.